Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kulzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? I'm doing all right, but you're kind of a little meh. Yeah, no, I'm sick, which is fun because yeah. I I uh I could feel it coming on. So I've been like sleeping all day and then like downing cough meds right before I go to teach the last couple of days to make sure that I can like power through my my work and everything. Um, and then coming back and passing out. So I watched a lot of TV this week, Noel, but I didn't watch some of it very carefully, which has affected right. my ability to have thoughtful things to say about a couple shows. But I have I, seen a lot, so there's that. Yeah, no, I ran into I, I ran into that as well uh, this week, where I was sort of half watching uh, a couple of things, especially like some of the stuff we're going to discuss. I sort of just ended up half watching some of this, so I feel okay about these choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, listeners, we're going to keep this one shorter than than usual because uh, I am a space cadet basically when I'm on cold meds. Um, so hopefully we'll, I'm sure there are, there are lots of things that we should be talking about in the TV news right now. There's a uh, reboot stuff happening. They like finished casting the charmed reboot. There's, um, didn't they just announce some other big TV reboot and casting and the casting's awesome or something the last couple of days? Mm, I feel like that's, oh, well, there was the, uh, the BBC Golden Compass, um, yeah. Dark Materials stuff with, um, yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda and then, uh, the girl from the Logan movie who's phenomenal in that movie. If you haven't seen Logan, it's A, really good, but B, she's very, very good and she's such a perfect choice for Lyra mm-hmm. that I can't get over it. Um, yeah yeah like that thing the thing that i couldn't yeah. remember that i was like yeah. super stoked about because lin-manuel miranda lee scoresby right is who he's right with. and i just hope he doesn't do a texas accent I'm, that's that's kind of all i need is him not to do one and then i'm i'm fine yeah but i was very excited about that yeah so there's other stuff that we could talk about here up at the top but unless Noel, you have any other burning topics Oh boy, John Favreau is going to help oversee Star Wars television. Yeah. Woohoo! How how um, do you announce that on International Women's Day? Like seriously, how does like nobody in the room I don't go like, no? Let's just hold it one day, you know, <laughs> or like one day earlier would have been cool too. Like, oh man, yeah, I, I don't know. It it was such a like a such an unforced error, you know. Like, yeah, you it didn't is. have to do it that. <laughs> nope, sure didn't, but you did. So now we yeah. all have to live with that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I the the um my my weekend is going to be one centered around just sleeping and soup and making sure I'm well enough to go see a wrinkle in time. Those are my priorities for this weekend. I'm going tomorrow. Yeah. I the the reviews have been uh more mixed than I would hope for, but but I don't really care <laughs> cuz I'm still going to go anyways and I I'm very excited. Uh, I actually, I think it's probably good that the reviews have been mixed because that helps me like tamp down, so I can yeah. go into it with like normal person, reasonable expectations and hopes. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm in. I'm in. We're both in the same boat about that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we should get into the the week in TV because I'm already rambling and we're just like three minutes in. So this week at the end of the show, uh, we're doing our first uh 2018 TV resolution check in. Spoiler alert, everyone! My resolution isn't going too hot so far this year. 
more on that at the end of the show. <laughs> Not, neither is mine. It's fine. We'll have a discussion about why resolutions are sometimes tricky. Yeah. And also why why I did really well in January and then just kind of completely collapsed. <laughs> just like regular resolutions. Yep. Yep. More on that at the end of the show. But uh, let's take a break. Listen to a little music and we'll be back with our week in comedy and reality right after this. Paper boy, paper boy, I'm about that paper boy. If you ain't on your grind, then you flex and use a hater boy. Paper boy, paper boy, I'm about that paper boy. If you ain't making money, then you ain't a money maker boy. Paper clip, paper clip, I'm in need of paper clip. I'm stacking up this paper so you know I'll make this paper flip. Paper flip, paper flip, I'ma make this paper flip. Then head to Magic City and I bet this paper maker strip. Paper man, paper man. I'll be in the paper man like Wall Street Journal, yeah, cause I'll be getting paper man, paper man, paper man, I'll be getting paper man, ooh, yeah. That was the hilarious cover of Paperboy from this week's episode of Atlanta. Um, this week in comedy and reality, we're going to kick things off with the Top Chef Colorado finale um, and then move over to Atlanta Sport and Waves before we talk about the sort of mid-season finale of Drunk History, Drunk Mystery, and then we'll run things out with Superstore Safety Training. Um, so first up is the Top Chef Colorado finale. And um, so this is partially because I've been sick um, and I ha- had already taken my nighttime cold meds before I started watching this episode, but I watched the finale and I made sure I stayed awake to see who won. Cause I was like skipping ahead on the recording to skip commercials so that I would actually see who won and then woke up today and didn't remember any of it. So I rewatched it. <laughs> that kind of speaks to my level of commitment and interest in this top shift Colorado finale. The food all looked amazing and I it really enjoyed the contestants. I thought they did it, you know, it looks like a tremendous job. Uh it was really fun to 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 spend time with them, but I like instantly was forgetting you know the this episode as I was watching it last night and a little bit today. Um yeah, did this this was sort of a yay thumbs up good for y'all i'm not gonna remember remember any of this except maybe the the second course for everybody uh in a week how did you feel about the top chef colorado finale noel no what hang on what um no it, it was it was very dull um um and weirdly it was like it was dull, but it was also, it made me think about another show um, that you and I had, like, very briefly discussed last week, which was um, the um, the Netflix show. Um, Ugly Delicious. Ugly, Ugly Delicious. Uh, it made me think about that, actually, quite a bit, in that it was a square off against um, Italian versus Southern cooking. And I actually got to watch the fried chicken episode last week that you had mentioned. And mm. A, phenomenal. Really, really great episode. Um, and it made me think about like, again, culture and taste and that kind of thing. And that all the, all, all the pasta dishes looked really amazing. And then he wins and it's just like, well, we elevated, we elevated soul food and Southern cooking a little bit here to get to the finale, but pasta. (laughs) And that's what it kind of made me think of. It just felt a little foregone. And like, because I had ugly delicious kind of in my head and how much, um, what's his name hates Italian food (laughs) and loves it, but hates it. And, um, so all of that was sort of circulating while I was watching this episode. 
And it kind of kept me in that framework, kept me engaged in the episode, I think. But I was just sort of like, oh, okay, well, like you, I was just, I'm not going to remember any of this at all. It's just like, maybe I will remember the pasta that looks like sea rocks, maybe, um, <laughs> which is a weird way to describe pasta. But I was just, I was, I was just underwhelmed by this. And I feel like given how sort of up and down this season really was, that feels really fitting that this was sort of a low stakes sort of feeling finale. Yeah, I was thinking of the, our ugly, delicious conversation as well while I was watching it. When the the pasta course is three pieces of pasta on the plate that looks like the, you know it'd be at a restaurant where you'd charge thirty bucks for those three right. pieces of pasta. I was absolutely thinking of that as well. Um, and also earlier in the episode when the guests you know all sit down for you know at the table for their big finale dinner and you know they've mentioned oh so the queen scene is going to be italian and and what is adrian going to do is like you know she's uh she sounds like she's really committed to southern like like that's something that should like like this she should be convinced away from that like i guess she's sticking with southern like come on what the hell is that (laughs) italian there's no reason that italian should be fine dining and southern shouldn't and granted i'm not a you know culinary expert i'm not uh someone who follows like who's not like a foodie blogger you know i don't follow all the trends and everything but after some of the best food they've had this year has been the season has been southern food why why that disdain why that doubt uh, i thought that adrian's dishes looked really inventive creative creative thoughtful like that first dish that she had that they all swooned over that's Southern staples. And, and yep. yet, you know, yeah. So, so just being so, um, just like on the nose, such a perfect on the nose example of that bias against Southern cuisine, uh, was, was sort of hilarious. I did enjoy the, some of the drama with is the cake going to work out? And, and it is nice to have a, um, like just such a stress free kitchen you know for once i always appreciate that uh when they when they don't try to trump up drama between the contestants and uh when when it seems like everybody really respects and appreciates each other um but yeah as far as everything else it was also very strange to see them not do what they usually do and invite the families and have like a full you know full room it must have been something about like you know the expense of get flying people in or the the layout of the restaurant was too small to really be able to because like normally they have their families there so yeah it was it was a little unusual to do it so pared down but um you know i would look forward to if they do another returning chef season having adrian pop up with that or you know mm-hmm. leanne who i think we all know would have smoked the competition had she been in it um yeah. and certainly you know, like they were saying, this giving this platform for Adrian on the show and for her and Chris's um, approaches approaches, yeah. I think, is something that shouldn't be overlooked as well. And like 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 uh, uh, Tom says uh, in this episode, uh, maybe you'll have a little more luck getting investors. You know, like after yes, right, <laughs> making it to the finale on Top Chef and making some gorgeous looking food. So at least there's that. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping that that's sort of what comes out of it for Adrian, and that this is this this gives her the exposure necessary to like 
secure that kind of stuff. Because um, again, I kept going back to that episode of Ugly Delicious about fried chicken, particularly that chef in um, Seattle um, who has one restaurant that's devoted entirely to sort of an upscale sort of approach to Southern cuisine. And I just kept thinking about that in relation to this episode, and I just could not get it out of my head, um, which made me just want to watch the fried chicken episode of Ugly Delicious again instead of the <laughs> Top Chef finale, which is not a great sign. Not a great sign, especially because remember we were so energized at the beginning of the season yes. about this group of chefs and like the, the surprises we were expecting, um, like the, the different approaches and the different perspectives on food we were expecting, which didn't all pan out, but... Oh, well, we thought we should chime in on the finale since we covered, like, the rest of the season for the most part. Um, but let's let's move swiftly on to Atlanta, Sport and Wave. So I finished the first episode, uh, and then, obviously, we're both caught up with this week's episode as well. What did you think of Sport and Waves? I really like Sport and Waves, um, in part because the episode's so driven by senses of perception and on all sorts of different fronts here. And I, so I really appreciated that. I appreciated the breakdown between technology and race um, that comes through when they go to this uh, vaguely defined startup um, that has a platform that is perfect for delivering the music. Um, but we never have a sense of what that platform is. It's just a platform. Um, but so I, I really liked how that was uh, conveyed through that and how Alfred uh, was just deeply uncomfortable and deeply unhappy with all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked how all of that was coming through and I liked the continuation of the show's um, use of economy and money um, through, well, we can double your money if we have it on gift cards. And it feels like such a weird sort of way to demonstrate sort of cash-strapped and mobility sort of issues where that come through in this episode really, really nicely. Um, So I just really liked it. And then the button of the job interview, I think just it's a really unified episode is what I'm saying. And I really liked that aspect of it. Um, yeah. So how did you feel about this? And also Alligator Man that you finished um, from last week's premiere. Oh, what a, what an excellent premiere. You know, like yeah. That, that shot of Cat Williams just running in the bathroom. Like, Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And then the alligator comes out and everything, too. Yeah, no, it was a really strong premiere. And this episode, I thought, was also really strong. I like. I, I find myself dragging my feet to watch Atlanta these last two weeks, even though I know it's going to be really good and I watch it and it's really good. But mm-hmm. the reason is because I just don't care about Earn at all. Sure, sure, and sure, he sure. he just sure. is so shooting himself in the foot that it's it's hard for me to engage with him like i'm much more invested in darius and alfred and certainly the ladies if they will have them back on ever the show. come back right yeah uh so but it's hard for me to get excited to watch Ern make terrible life choices like i know he's going yeah. to do over and again like like he does here why yeah. would you give oh my god why would you give your four thousand dollars that you really desperately need uh to this guy you just met who is just fresh out of jail and is talking about some scam he has that he can totally double your money. Like, why would you, why would you do that? Why are you that stupid? You're not that stupid. Why are you choosing to be self-destructively intentionally stupid? So it gets hard for me to like want to yay, sit down and watch that. So I think what I need to do is just shift my perspective and focus so much more (laughs) on Alfred. I really enjoyed his whole, also very sad unfortunate um arc over the course of this episode starting with being robbed 
by his dealer of 10 years and um i'll pay you back (laughs) pay it back dude i'm good for it (laughs) oh man yeah that was the specificity of that i thought was terrific and just such a different take on that kind of scene um yeah that was that was hilarious and so well put together and acted and, and edited and everything the timing of it was terrific um all the way through the episode i just thought was it's just hilarious. It's so well done. It's so interesting. And uh so I'm looking forward to, to what's what's coming next. But um yeah. More more Darius, less earned being an idiot, please. Right. And it was one of those weirder things where, especially with the money, I immediately went, Oh, so we're gonna see Vanessa now because he's gonna give some money. Yeah. Um and then that did not happen. And I just went, Oh, oh, this is this is frustrating. Yeah. I mean, and again, if it's it's just because they are actively like courting frustration with that character, mm-hmm. which is perhaps more honest and makes right. more sense, you know, for him. But, you know, I don't need to like characters. They need to be more interesting than this, though. So I need to be more interested in why he's making these choices than I am right now. Otherwise, it's like you are a person who has no money and is homeless and just comes into some money and doesn't do anything to secure shelter for yourself permanent place to stay or you know support your child yeah you know that i think this you know it's almost like the show is forgotten or they they want us to kind of forget that he has a baby um so that when they bring the baby back we'll be like oh yeah i I don't know i'm sure they have a plan for what they're doing with that but it's yeah because it's way too smart of a show to to not but it's it's tough. It's tough for me to get invested in her. And we'll see what the rest of the season brings, um, though. Uh, any other thoughts on Atlanta? No. Uh, let's move on to uh, Drunk History uh, doing Drunk Mystery. Okay. Now, this one, they had, obviously, they were aping the style of another show. Is this History's Mysteries? Or is this unexplained? Like, what was, do you know the show that they were modeling after? Well, the initial sort of, like, thing felt very much like a... Uh, considering that they used the same sort of outfit um, at the end with the Circle Veil letters, mm-hmm. uh, they were clearly aiming for a little bit of, like, an Unsolved Mysteries sort of ah. vibe. See, I've never um, seen Unsolved Mysteries. What? Yeah. So that Oh, my is, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Kate, this is... Congratulations. Okay. We found this year's Make You Watch a Thon is you're just <laughs> gonna watch a bunch of unsolved mysteries if we can find them. Well see, um, but they've already you've already committed me to Mad About You, right? So like Well, you can do both. These are challenging uh, choices. Um yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah, no, but there's there's an element of history's mysteries too. But I feel like that sort of thing is built into the overall premise of the show. Mm-hmm. Um so um mainly mainly like one of the things I wanted to take away from this is that Allison Rich and Kyle Mooney got very drunk. Yes. <laughs> they were very, very drunk. <laughs> yes. I was a little <laughs> concerned for her life. I was too. Yeah. I was just like, oh, she's she's just gonna fall off that couch and he he fell down. Yeah. <laughs> that that's one of the ones where I feel like and there have been a couple this season where they've misjudged things and the, yeah. the historian was a little too plastered to be interesting <laughs> or effective. Um yeah. yeah, I had this episode didn't work as well for me. Uh if only because I, these like I was less familiar with the Circleville Circleville letters, but mm-hmm. the first two segments of this were are just 
Especially like when there's been a whole Doctor Who episode about it, does it get to still be like a little-known historical thing? And D.B. Cooper, I mean, come on. Those are right. just very mainstream choices that almost have me a little concerned of, you know, are they running out of interesting historical tidbits that people might not know after five seasons? But um, I thought the the most, for the most part, the historians did a good job the reenactors did a terrific job the casting again has been phenomenal and on point all season that did not change this episode uh but i i do think i'm ready for a little break so i'm i it's coming back in june um okay so so i'm super down for just a little take a little breather from drunk history and then maybe when, when it comes back i'll be i think i'll be more invested how did you feel about their execution of these stories were you as familiar with the first two as i was I was I was familiar with all three of these really. Mm-hmm. Um so I was waiting for like good spins on it sort of and I was frustrated that we didn't really get that. And even like a mention of the detail that Christie's pseudonym or name that she provides at the hotel is the last name of the woman that his her husband was having the affair with. Um, where mm-hmm. you just kind of go, oh, really? Type of thing where you you kind of like connects some of the larger pieces and points that they make for that. And then the D.B. Cooper story is just so compressed yeah. um, that I'm just like, oh, you guys could have really just done like half an episode on the D.B. Cooper thing, really. Because that that shit's bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Circleville Letters, I think, is just a really compelling one as well. I really think that you could have just done Cooper and the Circleville Letters and just scratched the Christie one and probably would have been fine. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a fine episode. I think, like you said, like your casting-wise, especially for the reenactments, were just really, really enjoyable. Um, but I, I wasn't. I, I was more worried about them mm-hmm. <laughs> and their state of inebriation than I was necessarily about the stories that they were telling and how they were telling the stories. Um, even if, again, the Cooper, especially the Cooper one, was just sort of an underwhelming telling of that in part because i felt like he was just very drunk and also because they kind of just had this weird starting point and then just kind of an abrupt ending which is not the best thing when you're doing a mystery sort of thing is an abrupt ending yeah that doesn't work as well you want to kind of have a nice you know moment of uh intrigue to to close on yeah Um, so yeah it was a yeah a bit abrupt. I will say the though the rest of the season I've really been enjoying, and uh, it's sort of become our like when I'm spending time uh, with my family, if we're all like hanging out and we want to watch something, this has kind of become our go to because as previously stated, I introduced my mom to it and she really gets a kick out of it, um, despite being a teetotaler. So like it's sort of become now that Bob's is on hiatus, it's coming back this Sunday, but um, now that Bob's is on hiatus, it's sort of become our, our go to like thing we can all watch together, which is adorable. So thank you, Drunk History. Yeah, and I mean, I dip in and out. Only I look at the look at the subject in our rundown and go, "Do I want to watch that? Do I have time to watch that?" Or basically, mm-hmm. the two requirements, and then I just basically decide, like at the end of Friday, whether or not I'm going to watch it before. Yeah. Record. Um. So I just, I was just, I was intrigued enough by this like title to check it out. So that's mm-hmm. why I did. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, maybe go check out the um, uh, the the. Mr. Rogers segment they did with Colin Hanks. Right. I saw your note of that. I just didn't have time to watch it. So I'm probably going to seek that out because that sounds like amazing casting. It's very good casting. (laughs) Like you won't learn anything new, but you'll just go like, "Mm, we love Mr. Rogers. You know, like, and that's, that's about, you know, 
that's appropriate i think you know they did they did and, justice to to him and also just really great since is since tom is playing mr rogers in the movie now mm-hmm. so it's just like oh well you guys filmed this like months ago but yeah. still this is great this, this is great this is great um, our last episode for a week in comedy reality is superstore and safety training so we got a lot of focus uh on on the now revealed crush at least to dinah uh of of amy's or kind of to the whole store well by the end of the episode yeah (laughs) yeah but but just this this like concern and and i I appreciate amy's honesty with herself at the end of the previous episode that now she's got a thing for jonah and she's tired of of fighting it or pretending it's not there um and so so i like that they um that they had so much fun with it in this episode but then immediately like shook up the apple cart at the end of the episode as well i thought that was a good call it was a good call because I was actually just talking to a uh, friend of the show, Corey Barker, a little bit about it because he's finished his uh, dissertation, like, final legs, and it's gone to his committee, and he's, like, finally being able to, like, watch television again. And I was just like, I'm I'm really liking Superstore, but they're kind of starting to lean in heavy on the Jonah-Amy love triangle stuff. And I was just like, they've been so good about not doing this that it feels weird that they're suddenly in my brain sort of like devoting a fair amount of time to it. And then they're just like, Nope, don't worry. We got you covered. Noel. you're good. We're fine. Mm-hmm. We're going to blow it all up. You're good. And I just went, Oh, thank you show. You understand me. <laughs> and so I really appreciated the safety training and the uh, ways in which all of this comes about through Dina just messing up. Uh, but also I really appreciated Amy's whole sort of, but I will make a scene of you not releasing it. So I still look good. And it's just like, <laughs> this is very good. I really like this. And I like this. I like this side of Amy that's been coming out progressively, particularly this season. Um, so I really liked all of that. So I liked how this, I, I liked how all of this played out uh, this week. And now that there's sort of no place for a, this particular storyline that's been running for a while to hide, and B, no place for them. Teo's storyline, which they weave in and out his undocumented status so well that I was really happy to see it really come to a head in this sort of really life-death sort of, not death, but like life-changing sort of situation of the uh, settlement through the store. And I was just like, this was very good. And then... It was just a really strong episode that propelled a lot of stuff really, really nicely. I've been uh, enjoying their handling of Mateo's undocumented status in general, but just really the the Mateo Jeff stuff all season, and, and actually the last couple of seasons. I, thought, I think they've done a terrific job with that, like bringing it up frequently enough that it that it works for the character and that they get some solid comedy out of it without like. Uh, making it too too big of a thread such that we get tired of it or like you know they need to progress things beyond you know where they've been at and this episode takes things you know again they move things forward in a way that they you know they didn't have to they could have left it as just this sort of like passive aggressive thing that comes up every now and again with them sniping at each other um but but i appreciate them going this way instead i've enjoyed michael uh Bunin or bunnin i don't know how to pronounce his last name who plays jeff since uh back at he was on my girl um or sorry since he was on my boys and, and uh, oh wow his... my boys right yeah he was yeah and so when he first popped up as jeff i enjoyed him and i'm glad that he's still in the rotation because the stuff that we get like that 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 thread through the episode i think works really well and just like up to 
50k like are you kidding me like that's yeah. insane but it they pull it off and it's super funny and so then to then take everything back you know by the end of the episode to that that core and how invested i don't know about you but i certainly was in mateo and jeff um mm-hmm. you know I, I thought that they really nailed that and i i look forward to what's gonna happen next i would assume that we'll you know have them you know, decided like he's not gonna report Mateo, so it's that would just hurt the show. So <laughs> they'll come up with some other solution. But if it means more hijinks and you know them restarting their relationship and trying to hide it and being terrible at that, I'm down for it. I might be a little retready, but I don't care because they're funny. Yeah, and even if it feels sort of retready, I feel like given that uh, Jeff has more information now mm-hmm. and like an understanding of what went down now and why that it sort of changes everything up again. And so even if, even if the overall premise is the same, the actual like details of it are just very different now. And I'm really, I'm, I'm excited by how much this episode just sort of blew up a bunch of different status quo stuff. Um, and I'm also now deeply afraid for Marcus a little bit that Garrett <laughs> at any point this season will just hurt him somehow. Oh, I, and, that's so funny. <laughs> it's, and yeah. I won't even I won't even believe you when you tell me you don't want it to happen anymore because deep down I know you do. I just She's care like, so much for you. I just care. <laughs> it's just so good, Kate. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh man, that's that's good times. And the uh, the opening bit with the breast milk was I thought a great like the breast milk cheese thing was a nice follow up from their breastfeeding episode. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And yeah. So I thought that was a yeah, and I like that they didn't that they put it in this different episode, and that they let us remember the thread instead right. of pointing to it. So, but yeah, no, it was a it was a it was a fun episode, and certainly uh, I was very much enjoying my time here, and look forward to see what comes next. Like just Amy's incredulity at the the lack, like using duct tape instead of the anchor. I mean, come on, delightful. I feel like that is the proper amount of incredulity, because um, that was just ridiculous. Yep, and well, also that Glenn bought that this is something that Amy would do is also just kind of ridiculous. Well, he is that you know foolish. You know, he is that stupid. But are you enjoying the time away from the baby stuff, or do you think they need to get back to that? Oh, I'm perfectly okay not spending a lot of time on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm fine with that, and there's plenty of time for them to devote more time to that as the pregnancy progresses. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm okay. Oh, yeah, no, that's how I feel about it, too. They they got yeah. quite a bit, a bit of mileage out of it, but now let's backburner that and pivot over here. Like, these are the yep. storylines that they've been doing, so. Um, okay, well, any final thoughts on this one? And if not, what wins your week in comedy and reality? Uh, my final thought is that Superstore wins my week in comedy and reality. Um, just really, really funny, strong, narratively, narratively compelling episode overall. What about you? Well, first of all, shout out to Nancy Pelosi being on Drag Race, which was <laughs> awesome. Um, and I love the bit uh, about them all calling their representatives, uh, mm-hmm. ending with uh, Rue calling Maxine uh, Waters. That <laughs> was lovely. Uh, we're, we didn't really have much to say about that one, but I also appreciated how totally gagged all the queens were when Pelosi came down the stairs. Um, so, yeah. Shout out to that. But, yeah, no, for me, uh, this one is is also going to be Superstore. Like, Atlanta's a better episode. Like, it has more to say and it's doing more, but I just, I laughed more at Superstore. So I'm going to give it to them. I think that's fair. I think that makes complete sense. Yeah. There we go. Um, now we'll take a break and come back with our weekend drama and genre. 
this week in drama and genre, we're going to kick things off with the premiere for The Good Fight, Day 408. Then we'll move on to Unreal Shield. That's right, listeners. We have a little more to say about Unreal. Uh, then we'll move over to genre with Jessica Jones Season 2. Just a few preliminary spoiler-free thoughts on Season 2. Uh, then we'll have a little to say about The X-Files Familiar, and we'll end things, round things out with uh, Legends of Tomorrow, No Country for Old Dads, and a few thoughts on The Flash, Enter Flash Time, and Arrow Doppelganger. So first up is The Good Fight premiere, Day 408. And uh, so this is their, let's write off Erica Tazel and bring on uh, Audrey McDonald. How did they do for you here? Was this a good you know, second, uh, second season premiere. Are you re-energized with the show? Um, I'm, I'm excited about the show and I should like full disclosure. I've seen the next two episodes as well. Um, so I have like more thoughts, um, about those <laughs> next two episodes than I necessarily do about this premiere. Even if structurally, I really like how this premiere is sort of like laid out and through different uses of the funeral program, um, to handle the Reddick part of the firm all that tension that we thought we were going to get um into this season with uh louis gossett jr's character uh is immediately taken care of in this episode (laughs) and then they just very unceremoniously write out barbara um played by like you said erica tazel tazel and i was just sort of i was underwhelmed by that and really frustrated by that um i acknowledge that they were just sort of like we don't know what to do with Barbara, and I have thoughts on that very question once we get into episodes two and three of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I liked, the, I think the big thing that I really liked about The Good Fight, and we talked about this a little bit at the um, end of the year when I was had it on my top 20, was this show still hasn't gotten over the trend. <laughs> <laughs> the Trump's election. And I really sort of like that they're still in this very combative sort of stance that the the weird numbing effect that it's having on Diane to a certain extent um, comes through in like later episodes, but it's still present here and it's present in the opening credits where they're blowing up flat screens with Trump and Putin and Nazis with tiki torches And I just, I like that that is still sort of a thought process that's influencing some of the show. Um, The degree to which it will continue to influence the show, I'm very curious about. Um, So, yeah, I'm interested interested to see what they're going to keep doing. I just wish that Barbara's departure had been better executed for me or more exciting. um, Because I think Erica Tazel deserves that. um, Because she's phenomenal and she she only ever got like one episode of like sheer glory unjustified i was so excited when she was on the show and then she did not get anything from them and i was i was deeply frustrated by that um so i'm hoping that they do better by audrey mcdonald than they did by erica tazel uh but we'll find out um how did you feel about this premiere yeah i absolutely agree about barbara and you know, I'm hope maybe she'll pop up later as a cross, you know, across the the, the aisle, you know, and mm-hmm. opposing counsel. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. It- I guess that's one way to, to yeah. write the character out. Um, uh, and it, it points to her being very canny and reading the room. And, you know, I think that's, that's smart, uh, but it's frustrating. Uh, I don't know if I'm excited about where they're going with, uh, 
where it seems like they're going with Diane and having her microdose mushrooms, which from the next week on seems like that's going to be a recurring thing. Uh, that's more kind of something I buy her doing with uh, Kent than by herself, but we'll, oh, sure, sure, we'll see. Um, anyways, uh, the rest of this episode, you know, it was fun. I liked that they had the previously on wasn't just the season, uh, you know, like the season finale or season one. It was also all the a bunch of Trump stuff in between when the season ended and now. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a very distinct and interesting choice. Um, it just kind of re- refreshing those of us who are exhausted with the daily onslaught um, of, you know, different things that would be informing the character's point of view and their, their headspace. Um, and, I you know I really enjoy Audrey McDonald. I like the personal connection uh, that they're giving her with Bozeman. Um, whenever they're going to give Delroy Lindo more to do, it's going to be a good thing for them. And so having that you know a personal connection, I think will yeah, you know, it's very contrived. Like he married the boss's daughter, I guess, or the his partner's yeah. daughter. Like it's a little on the nose, but it, it's a good excuse to get her in the door and to have there be tension so you know we'll see what that means for the rest of the season i liked everything of course with marissa and uh oh, she's the best she's isn't she isn't she the best yeah um so we'll see what what happens i certainly um i was simultaneously frustrated in the same way that i was with the show last season and also entertained and really engaged by the show in the same way i was last season uh if they keep the balance kind of where it is in this first episode meaning very little Maya and her family stuff but still some you know just to finish out that through line but mostly Diane and other stuff then I will be mm-hmm. much more engaged if they pivot back over to focusing a lot on on Maya's family and the fraud and all of that then I it'll be easy to check out but I really appreciated Jane Lynch's like return here that like see hearing that character and the fun they were having with the various voice mods uh, bringing Pence into the situation. Um, but uh, yeah, again, I think they have the balance about right. How do you feel about that? I do think that they have the balance right. Um, I will say that they sort of lean in and get like a little bit weirder as they go forward um, in the next couple episodes, um, to which I feel like sort of works for them. I mean, a lot of it's not as weird as brain dead. But they're, I feel like they're, like, taking some of the energy that they had during Braindead and are applying it to Good Fight in Season 2, which I'm intrigued by to varying degrees. So I'm, I'll be curious to your thoughts as the episode progresses. Um, I, too, also like the um, previously on, but I also liked how they used those Trump clips to sort of frame the characters' actions. It's like, do segments of, like, these characters are behaving in a way that feels influenced by this in some way or yeah. feels connected to. So I, I liked, again, like another example of the show really operating within a zeitgeist without, um, well, no, they're hitting us over the head with it. <laughs> I was going to say without hitting us over the head with it, but they are, and they want to, they're very aggressive about this. So I'm, I, I, I like that, that dedication to it. I'll be, I'm, I'm very curious to see again, how they continue to keep that motivated. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, more on that next week then, I imagine. Um, for now, let's move over to Unreal and Shield. And listeners, my notes specifically said, why did I watch this? That was a stupid decision. And then Noel goes, okay, I'll watch it. 
So this is not my fault. Um, are we officially breaking up with Unreal? Is this officially happening now, Noel? Oh yeah, no, it's a f- I'm I'm out. I'm t- I'm tapping out now. <laughs> um, I'm I'm so out. Um, because the the other note that you've left off is that. I can't believe this show is trying to make Chet write about gender di- dynamics. And that is the correct response yeah. um, throughout this entire episode is the whole, like, it's bad just all across the board. It's there's a, there's a desire to satirize this sort of perf- performative femininity um, that comes out, but it's just a, a, it makes all the men look really terrible, which it's unreal. So all the men are, by default really terrible which is fine i like that about the show but b it still reinforces the very things that they're satirizing so there's not really a sense of satirization happening it's just oh well no this is this is how things are and it's just like i i i don't buy that like i don't buy the fact that everyone would be so put out by the fact that she is being mean to them at the poker game. Is she being obnoxious? Yes. But why aren't any of them like dishing back in any Mm -hmm. way, shape or form really? And it feels really weird and contrived for them to make this point through chat to do this sort of thing that men just want the nice woman in the mermaid's saran wrap dress. Mm -hmm. Well, and also like the, they should be better at their jobs as producers in casting. Right. Yeah. You know, like to, to have none of the guys, first of all, think it's hot to get beaten by a lady at poker. Uh, or second of all, to rise to the challenge and to be yeah. competitive. Like, w- what are you doing if you're casting a show for this, you know, sutras, right? And and you only get guys who are afraid of, of, of a strong and independent person like as 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 their romantic foil like that's insane if you're casting that that means you did a shitty job um so there's that and as well but also jeremy really jeremy really show okay whatever uh i think that's enough i don't think we need to say more anymore about jeremy but just this jeremy stuff this week is also terrible and i'm gonna help the good ones like Oh my god, they have, like, do you think we've, he's a psycho who killed people, is like, I did it because you told me to, he's like, oh, yeah, sure, that's a thing that holds up in court, that's a thing that rational sane people say, um, anyways, the show's way too behind and with Jeremy, and, um, the other thing is, like, this, the stuff with Quinn, like, really, this is eating away at her that much? Like, I, Rachel's, you know, supposed to be our damaged snowflake flower kind of character. But then they keep trying to also do that with Quinn in a way that is really tiresome. It's like, we mm-hmm. get it. You've hit this note before. But she should be more sturdy than to be unnerved by Chet. Like, how does she so affected by Chet? He's a piece of shit. Yeah. He is. He's terrible. And I, the degree to which we're supposed to buy sort of a long buried or still the embers of some lost sort of romance between the two of them is just laughable. Because um, he's so weak and such a nothing. And they've already done that storyline before and had her like find her power, realize her agency and be grateful for finally having cut ties with him. And then they mm-hmm. backtrack 
again and again in such a meaningless, stupid way. Like, yeah, Constance Zimmer will do her best to sell that every day of the week, but it doesn't mean that I buy it. Yeah. Anyways. No. Unreal is stupid at this point, and we get if you watch it because the cast is awesome, but come on. Yeah. No. I'm done. Yay. Yay. Free. Free from Unreal. Freed from the stupid, stupid writing. Um, Hopefully all this cast gets better things to do soon. Um, Let's move over to Jessica Jones, which had season two drop this week on Netflix. We have watched the beginning. We're just going to talk just in a non-spoilery way about season two. Uh, How many have you seen so far, Noel? I've only seen four, I think. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> um, mainly because the episodes all kind of blend together, and they I don't, really I do. lost, I lost count of. I know I've seen at least three, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure I've seen four. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen most of the season at this point, but it really does. Like you, you don't get a sense of there being distinct episodes. Yeah, um, and that you know, I guess that's an it's an intentional choice, but it's a little. uh underwhelming for me especially something like they they released these awesome and netflix released these awesome like cover art for like pulp paperback novels for each of the titles of the different episodes so like that made me think that it was gonna be more of these really neat oh yeah you should check them out they look really cool you google them up and 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 take a look they're all they had a different uh artist do each one awesome oh yeah, I'm going to have to look at that. Anyway, continue. And that would lead you to believe that it's going to be more, like, standalone with then some threads, but more standalone. And it is not at all. Um, no. This season, I think the big question for people will have is, how is season two working without Kilgrave? Um, mm-hmm. So that's my first question to you. And then also, without getting into spoilers, um, I mean, I think we... We're both pretty much on board with Jessica herself, but maybe less invested in the side characters. How do you feel like season two is doing with everybody who isn't Jessica? Uh, so I think the show's doing okay without Kilgrave in the four episodes I've watched. I like some of the stuff that they're setting up. Um, I like the sort of... It's a little... Um, especially by the episodes and that I watched, it's getting a little um on the nose with what their larger sort of like thematic concern i think they're setting up is um and the degree to which like that feels natural and organic but motivated by the actions of last season in particular um so i'm sort of liking it more than i thought i was going to based on the reviews that circulated of the first five episodes which is what got sent to press um as for the side characters, um, I think Trish is still just phenomenal. And I think that apart from one choice that they're starting, that they've introduced in the last episode that I watched, um, which I'm not super excited about. But I still really like the dynamics between Trish, Trish and Jessica. And I like how we're getting really topical stuff through Trish. And so I like how all of that is being played out. Um, Malcolm is better than he was last season. Um, So I'm intrigued by how that's getting built. Uh, But Hogarth is just on a whole other show. And I don't know what's happening right now with that character. And that's really frustrating. um, Mainly because I love Carrie Ann Moss so much. And she's such a strong actor that she's in this little sideshow, basically, to this main show that only kind of tangentially hooks up. 
And her whole exploration of what's going on with her is interesting, but there's not enough space for it, at least in the the episodes I've watched. So I'm sort of struggling with why Hogarth is still around. Hmm. Um, But that's sort of where I am. And I, again, I acknowledge I'm four episodes in, so I'm not even halfway through. And uh, I'm... I'm interested in a lot of stuff that's happening and Ritter and the woman who plays um, Trish, um, whose name I can't remember. Rachel. Taylor. Rachel Taylor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, They're both, they both just really work so well together and they have very good energies together that they carry me through a lot of stuff, especially when they have screen time together. So I'm I'm intrigued by what's going on, despite trepidations about them doing an origin story season, which I was not interested in. But I'm sort of I'm sort of interest more interested than I thought it was thought I was going to be. Um, so that's sort of where I am. You're almost done. How are you feeling about it? Well, we will talk about this more and with spoilers yeah. next week. But yeah, uh, here's what I'll say: when I was about where you were, I felt similarly though i think i was more on board with jerry um okay. than, than you are right now um where i'm at now flip it around mm-hmm. and i really think they have they're made some big mistakes with trish and okay. i think they've done a much better job with malcolm and uh so that's you know we'll see what happens by the end of the season uh the stuff they've given jerry has sort of been its own thing but i think that the way they've connected it in um with something that you don't that you don't you're like a couple episodes away from there's like a thing that okay. happens around 6 or 7 um okay. that then they develop a couple things which allows them to tie Jerry a little more strongly or directly in with some of the stuff Jessica's dealing with and uh and so that then gives Jerry some more stuff to do and she, and Carrie Ann Moss really nails what they've given her um there's some big stuff for her and it they you know of course carrie moss delivers uh as for everything else uh calvin keith ready shows up uh playing a different kind of character than i usually get to see him as which is cool and um so i appreciated his performance and uh yeah i think that um they they had to obviously they had to get away from kilgrave they couldn't have kilgrave for more than a season and the way that they handled that character at the end of the first season was absolutely terrific. Um, so this is was going to always be a different kind of yeah. season. And I think that it's good that they understand that or understood that when they were putting it together. I think that it's really suffering in comparison because season one was about Jessica, but it was also about abuse and also about the mental and psychological and physical long lingering effects of abuse um, and all sorts of other stuff too. And this season doesn't have anything like that. And so that makes it a much more run of the mill kind of action superhero show. Um, But fortunately I really like Jessica Jones and I really like Kristen Ritter's performance. And so that does a lot to make it one of the better ones, but it, it lacks that, that punch, that visceral punch of being interested in something more. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, and and again, like I said, I'm at 11, so it's not coming later in the season. You know, (laughs) if they were going to do a thing and like investigate some other issues, it would have happened by now. Um, So, I think they're they're staying more centered and focused on the specifics of the character, and rather than 
using those specifics of the character to examine larger sociological things. Um, and that's okay, I guess, for a season two. But if they do a season three, I want them to get back into larger stuff. I want them to be more curious and interested in uh, discussions of 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 feminist issues and topics the way that this first season really was interested in that or just pick something else to be interested in and go for it and, and dive in because uh, this just feels a little too uh, it's a little too familiar for for just being a character study it's not specific it's not unique enough in a, in its in its beats to mm-hmm. be to to have the just the specificity be enough for me so I think I'll leave it there uh, and say okay. I'm still enjoying my watch, my like cold meds induced watch. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly um, much better than like the second season of Daredevil and, and some of these other ones that we've seen much better than, than the Defenders. But it's it's uh, it's just fun TV and not particularly memorable, notable TV to me. Okay. Cool. Uh, I look forward to discussing this next week, then. Yeah, more on this next week. Let's move on to The X-Files and Familiar. Uh, This episode I wanted to talk about just because I wanted to say Mr. Chuckleteeth is fucking creepy. Good job, costume and set design people and writers, because creepy. <laughs> no, Chuckle Teeth is really creepy, Um, but I also kind of watched this episode um in a sense of Wait, didn't we do like a scary haunted children's show on Zero Channel or whatever that sci-fi horror anthology show is for its first season? I think we did. I think we did. Um, Lots of shows have done this kind of episode. Right, yeah. Yeah. And so I was sort of like waiting for an improvement on that in some way, and I don't necessarily think I got there. Mm -hmm. And then when we got to the witchcraft stuff and the town and mob mentality, I just went, guys, and you made this point, was you've done like two other episodes at least very similar to this and i didn't really feel like there was anything particularly fresh beyond the chuckle teeth um design mm-hmm. um but the rest of it just kind of felt sort of flat and i i i was not compelled by this um and this is this is an episode in which i wasn't like paying a super amount of attention because i kind of figured out what was happening very quickly yeah and i was kind of bored fair enough yeah for me the the style was enough like the like the just the execution um and the scares were effective and the angles and the performances like it's very much doing like a thing that we've seen other genre shows do before with you 100 percent. but for me the the style was enough to to elevate it and uh in the cinematography and, and, and all this, it, especially after the uh, choices, <laughs> to quote Tati, choices of, of the previous episode, this was familiar uh, <laughs> in a good way. In, a, in like what I would like to see in a revival season of a show kind of way. Like, yes, you guys have done this thing before, but it's a, it feels a little different now that it's all these years later. Um, and I'll give it to you just because I like spending time with these characters. So. That's sort of where I'm at with it. But I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, and mostly I was just like, hey, Roger Cross is on. I love Roger Cross. He's already been on the X-Files like six times <laughs> as six different characters. And But hey, it's Roger Cross, so I'm okay with it because he's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's basically that was the other thing that was carrying me through this episode was what's going to happen to Roger Cross? I hope they don't kill Roger Cross. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let's move on <laughs> to Legends of Tomorrow: No Country for Old Dads, and this episode is so fun and stupid and ridiculous and cheesy and campy and it's perfect legends and i i loved it i liked it um the i think my big problem with this episode was the fact that it feels really herky-jerky in its editing of wow it takes them a really long time to go to the other side and do the meditation thing like it takes eons for this to happen and it's just bad editing and cross-cutting action um, but everything that was happening in Berlin was very good and very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And I liked, uh, Dark's 60s wig was just, <laughs> oh, it was so bad. It was so purposefully bad to tie into the name of the um, episode. And it was just, it was just delightful. It was really silly. It created like a time paradox issue of like, oh, this is where Damien Dark got interested in magic because he fought himself and all this sort of stuff and i just really liked it i liked all the ray stuff with nora and i like that wally's just sort of a trickster prankster um sort of figure coming up into this and i really like that look for wally because wally always seemed had that sort of rebellious um quality to him when he was first introduced on flash so to see that channeled in a different way on legends i'm very into that started when he and rip were pantsing people and going to karaoke in tokyo in 1982 but to see that kind of carry through here again i'm really here for that stuff to come through and come come forward more um so i liked a lot of this episode but the more plot motivated stuff was really the whole arc of malice and that kind of stuff was just sort of Sort of, um, meh. Um, but I do have a question for you, Kate. Mm-hmm. What do you think's wrong with Ada? Ava. Sorry, yeah, Ava. I, uh, okay, I think Ava, there, I would imagine it's something like she could have stopped Dark and didn't and, like, is in some way responsible for Laurel's death or something like that is my guess. Okay. What do you think? I don't know, but I don't want anything to come between these two women, Kate. Yeah, no, I'm super on board with Avalanche. <laughs> I, I definitely ship it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, for, as for the rest of this episode, I, I 100% agree about Wally. It's Isn't it so lovely to see him instantly fit in better here? than yes. And, like, they immediately know what to do with him as compared to over on Flash, uh, he, where he got a, a few beats like, like this when he was with – while he was with his family. But mm-hmm. mostly just, like, they already have, like – quips from cisco and and they already have earnestness from everybody else so they didn't know what to do with wally um but he already is a much lighter and better and more interesting version of the character here so i'm i'm looking forward to what comes next um because everyone's sassy on this show so it doesn't matter oh yeah and i i loved the end of episode thing with uh with nate and and ray's being like so what you're saying is she's hot. I get it. So you're it's like, no, I just, maybe, huh? But no, I thought that was hilarious and like a, a good little flavor for the character. I just appreciated how insanely like over the top and ridiculous this episode is with 
Nate like trying to bring the psycho father and daughter together because of course he is because he's such a boy scout that mm-hmm. even like he just can't we just like have a happy family guys you know you should really talk to your daughter <laughs> you know like i just that was it's so insane but it it really works because of the performances and because of how much they commit to it and and yeah. it's also the tone they establish with choices like that super terrible hilarious wig but also the scoring and the editing and the lighting how bright everything is like they really you know you don't pull together a concoction like this airy and fluffy of a concoction by accident you know anybody's ever tried to make a souffle will tell you that (laughs) sometimes that's the hardest thing to achieve is something that's just so light and airy um and still fun and that still works and still is effective so um yeah, we'll see. We'll see what what comes with with Avalanche, but um, hopefully those these crazy kids can work it out. Um, better, yeah. Any other any other thoughts about like the, the totem turning and this other stuff that we had this this episode? Not a lot. I, the totem stuff is frustratingly not interesting to me, mm-hmm. um, and so. The upside is is that unlike with sort of, especially with season one and to a lesser extent with season two, the the seasonal arc just seems to sort of be an, an almost like an afterthought this year. And so everything else feels even when they're even when the A plot is ostensibly about the totem in some way, I, I don't feel like it is about the totem. Mm. And everything else is just, again, like you were saying, really fun and light and frothy. And this is like the most relaxed I think Neil McDonough has been playing Damien Dark. And I can't even tell you. And he played Damien Dark for an entire season on Arrow. And this feels like the lightest that character's ever been, the most keyed in McDonough's been for this character. And I just, it makes, it it makes... It, everything's more interesting than it has a right to be when I don't care about the actual MacGuffins that are in play here. Yeah. And I think that's, a, I think that's a sign that they've got the formula right. And then if they can just figure out a really strong seasonal arc, oh boy. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Uh, they also have been really smart in their structure because the yeah. last, the last three episodes have each focused on an underserved character. Yeah. So we got the Zari episode and- then we got the Amaya uh, one, and then this week we get Ray, and so yeah. to to really like set them each on their own, and like because Amaya, there's been a lot of stuff, but it's mostly been her and Nate stuff. So to just to focus yeah. in on Amaya, like who is Amaya by herself, yeah. um, in the last week's episode, and then and, and give Mick more to do there as well, and then here with Ray, letting them each shine, I thought I think has been really smart and has rounded them out in a way that they needed quite a bit. Yeah. So, so Kate, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the fire totem is going to work for Mick since he's Heatwave? <laughs> we'll see. I yeah. wonder if that might have something to do with the finale. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on to the Flash. I just wanted to mention this one, especially with uh, us giving some props to Legends for their bottle episode, uh, which was the time loop episode, which was, was uh, I thought, a lot of, you know, we both liked it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, the Flash, they did their version of a bottle episode with this, and I thought it actually was a neat way to do it. And I thought it was, you know, like totally breaks the rules of what they are able to do in that amount of time like totally like i don't ever want to hear arguments about barry not being fast enough to do something again because it's insane uh based on this episode but i thought it was a, a neat 
way to do the bottle episode, bringing care and his unique ability to bring characters into flash time for at least for like a scene, um, but only a scene <laughs> gave uh, the episode uh, a really good reason to have the, the tight structure it did. And like, very limited availability to certain characters. Uh, I, th- and I, I thought it was fun and really worked. Yeah, it's just a flash concept of how do we show super speed by everyone not moving? And mm-hmm. it's such a neat concept and a neat idea that's executed really, really well. And I just, I really liked the overall concept of this episode. I liked how jay and jesse both ended up feeling like really tired after being running around so fast and how they made sure to keep that as like a issue for barry to have to be aware of as they were just moving so fast for like 10 minutes basically um and so i liked how all of this was working i liked the layers that they added to this i the fact that this was all basically an excuse to disrupt the Speed Force's prison sort of thing, um, I didn't care by the end, because anything involving the Speed Force, I immediately sort of roll my eyes at, as I have consistently done in the comic books and on with this show, because the Speed Force is just magic, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but the fact that this is obviously something that was intended to be done so that the Speed Force can play a part in however the end game is going to be a part of now that the prison is sort of empty. Mm-hmm. Um, this was such a good way to do that, that I didn't care. <laughs> um, so, and that they factored it into the conclusion to use all the speed force lightning to cancel out the explosion and all that kind of stuff. It was just really good and really clever for the show. And it was just a really strong episode. And I like that the episode gave uh, Grant Gustin just a lot of stuff to play as well, um, which is always when the show really shines. And I also liked the whole moment of, all right, who am I going to say goodbye to? Who do I have the time to say goodbye to? And how all of that played out as well. And, oh, it him, was just it him was, not bearing being able to bear talking to Joe was a great yes. choice. Yeah, right. It was a super good choice. Um, so I really liked that. I like Jesse's decision to wait with wait with Harry and like if they're going to die, well then I'm going to be next to my dad. And it's just like this is very good. This is all very good. This is good flash stuff basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which like kind of as like a self contained sort of episode for the most part. Um, apart from the Speed Force stuff. Makes me really excited um, that they can still know how to do these sort of episodes. They just don't do them often enough. Um, but that also makes me sort of excited for next week's episode in which Iris gets superpowers. And I'm just like, I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to ask if you're excited about that one. Oh, I'm so excited about it. I'm excited about Barry not knowing how to do anything, actually know how to do anything in Star Labs since he just doesn't do anything in star labs that was actually something i enjoyed about this episode is whenever the show remembers also he's a scientist and super smart too right yeah which they which they forget about you're absolutely correct yeah but uh yeah we'll see what happens with next week's episode but i am looking forward to just because anytime they give candace patton stuff to do she hits it out of the park so so good yeah let's (laughs) run out our weekend drama and genre here with arrow doppelganger and uh just we have the return of roy we have uh you know speedy suiting up again uh thea i should say uh what did you think about this episode and uh you know the having laurel like black siren i guess reemerge as laurel 
Um, I have, I appreciate their restraint that it took them this long to get to this point, but I also like that it was motivated by a sort of, I have no other moves from Black Siren, that she kind of has to do this mm-hmm. um, to survive. So I sort of like that play of it. Um, I'm already exhausted by Black Siren being a double agent again. I'm yeah. so tired of this. I'm so tired of them playing this card and them falling for it every time um so i'm exhausted by that aspect of it um i like how roy sort of refactors in i like that it motivates thea to go back into action um and that it gives willa holland some really good stuff to do because sort of like candace Patton, when arrow gives um willa holland stuff to play she plays it really really well i feel like and I think she does that here in Doppelganger really, really nicely. Um, and I also think the fact that this episode doesn't focus on other Team Arrow um, and that the episode sort of works a little bit better because all of that baggage is not here and that very bad sort of season one sort of discussions about we're doing this for the right reasons type of stuff isn't here. That suddenly, hey, the show isn't exhausting or as exhausting as it really has been for the last few weeks. Um, and really the only other thing I have to say is I really appreciate how, um, uh, Kirk, um, what's his last name? Acevedo. Acevedo. Um, his character is just apparently very into Michael Mann and that whole sequence of I'm going to fight this dude in a backlit stage in an abandoned casino is the most Michael Mann thing ever. And the fact that they shot it that way as well, I was just like, all I really need is some synth beats, and this is this is just gonna be my favorite thing ever, Arrow. Um, so I I like I like this emergence of um uh Dragon, I think that's his name, um, to the forefront. Um, and that 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 character will have more to do. But I'm also just sort of ready to tap out as well because I'm just exhausted by the new Team Arrow stuff. I'm exhausted by the Laurel, the Laurel Doppelganger stuff. Um, so I'm really debating whether or not I'm going to keep watching. Um, so how did you feel about Doppelganger and do you think I should keep watching? Oh, I thought you were going to stop like a while ago. So Yeah, I know, but I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling ready to stop now. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. Then I, I could see why you would. I mean, it's been super, you said it's exhausting, but yes, it's been exhausting to watch like, we can't trust you. Wow, but we can't trust you. But like, oh my God, just over and over and over all season with the two teams. Um, the, At least it feels all season. It's been about half the season, but still. Yeah. Um, So I liked the contrivance of, oh, Dinah and Captain Lance, there's corruption on the police force again, so you have to work together and stop, like, being antagonistic in a contrived way because Captain Lance's blind spot for Laurel is super contrived at this point. Um, Yes. uh, So here's a reason for that to not be the case anymore. Thumbs up? You know, like, yeah, as an audience, yes. Thumbs up. Thumbs way up. Um, So if they can come up with other ways around you know the 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 giant betrayals that they really are committed to from this season then uh then the show will benefit from it i liked bringing back roy i liked that being the the only thing that would get thea back in in the hood Uh, i think that made sense and they played it well i thought that the action scenes were like particularly good this this they were really good this week uh the fight scenes in the casino i thought were really well executed it was it felt a little bit like rope um, Hitchcock's rope in which they did a lot of close-ups um, yeah, to, to sort hide of hide the, the scene, tra- the shot transitions or to hide like the cuts. 
but I also didn't care because the flow of that sequence was really good. And the lighting and just the fact that we got like an abandoned casino uh, for this whole thing was just like, oh, we we got something different from a warehouse <laughs> yeah. or a dockyard or the pier or a warehouse mm-hmm. or a roof or a warehouse. And so the fact that there was some degree of like character involved in this setting, I really liked as well. So it was it felt really fresh for a change. Yeah. Um, for the Laurel stuff, I just need her to be something more interesting than what they've shown so far. And like the little like evil glint when she's like on the phone, like no, that's boring. That's very boring. And I don't buy her like happily working for Diaz either. So I'm sure it'll be a triple play somewhere in there. But like they need to, the characters are being too stupid for the plot's sake. So let's yeah, let's move things along. Arrow, sort of how I'm uh, feeling about that right now. But I, I was also surprised and intrigued that they didn't have Roy like wrapped up by the end of the episode so he's gonna be around another week we get apparently based on the next week on uh the return of the league and uh one of our uh, favorite recurring characters oh you aren't excited to see um uh, nissa back i'm so excited to see nissa back i'm not excited about the league of assassins <laughs> well yeah we, we don't really care about the league we just really like nissa and want her yeah. to drink milkshakes yeah. um yeah no i do and i yeah. want her to maybe beat up on Old on Earth Two Laurelsome. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> You're not my friend. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, what wins your weekend drama and genre? Um, I'm gonna sp- I'm I'm gonna give it to two. I'm gonna give it to Legends of Tomorrow and Flash. Um, both had just really strong episodes and in very different ways. Uh, so those those were my like two favorite uh, genre and drama shows this week. What about you? Yeah, I'll give it to Legends. No Country for Old Dads. It was just. So ridiculous. And I've, especially this week when I've been like low energy and not looking to like get super deep dive on some intense, heady stuff. It was, it was perfect for me this week. So <laughs> some love for Legends of Tomorrow. Now we'll take a break and come back with our first 2018 TV resolution check in. We'll be right back after this. So we're now almost a quarter of the way through the year, through 2018, um, or at least in the third month. So we thought it was uh, high time for our first check-in with our 2018 TV resolutions. Uh, Noel, as a reminder, what was your resolution for this year? My resolution was to uh, really watch and engage uh, local news, uh, local TV news. And what was yours? Mine was to fill in some of my gaps um, from TV, like either from like 90s and and early aughts or earlier than that that i hadn't seen because i wasn't seeking out 
TV that wasn't specifically aimed for me, <laughs> you know, so uh, TV aimed at audiences other than you know, suburban white girls. Um, so for me, what that meant, uh, the show I picked to kind of check in on was In Living Color uh, for this check-in. And uh, I went over to, you know, the DVDs uh, at the library and on, on YouTube, and I think it's all on Hulu right now, um, and, and sort of dipped my toe in. I you know, because I've been out of it this week, haven't been able to watch as much as I would like to to give a definitive opinion on the show. So I'll just give some preliminary thoughts. What was really striking to me? Now, did you watch *In Living Color*? Have you seen it? I didn't watch it while it was on, but I've seen episodes since it went off the air. Um, so I'm sort of familiar with the show, but it wasn't. I've I've only seen like a scattering of episodes. Yeah, the reason I chose it is because you know, over the course of the run of the Televerse, like tons dvd shelves on a lot of sketch tv like i i actually now feel almost authoritative about uh tv sketch comedy shows and like what works and what doesn't and why things work and that, like sort of the genesis of some of these um voices in sketch comedy on tv uh but a big gap for me was in living color to the point where i didn't even know it was a half hour show so i started watching it was like oh i thought this was an hour long no, it is not. Okay. Um, so a few things really struck me with the episodes that I watched. Uh, first of all, how insanely 90s it is in a way that <laughs> I don't even remember because this is like early 90s. And I think of the 90s as like more of the late 90s, like when, sure, I, when sure, I go sure. to in my head. So like I was not prepared for the spandex and all the bright colors. Not quite 80s neon, but not far off. Um, right. But it was certainly, especially having... You know, I've been watching American Crime Story, which is very 90s set um, as well. Like that, that's been more in my awareness. And so like, it was just, it's just so 90s. Um, but also how familiar I am with the entire cast of, of In Living Color. Uh, almost everyone uh, who was a regular on the show is someone, I was like, oh, them, they're really funny. <laughs> so they have a terrific cast. Uh, and, and, and as someone who had, not uh ever seen the show i you know obviously people all know jim carrey started out there and uh you know j-lo was one of the fly girls uh, you know for part of the show but um but to have it be not just the waynes brothers but also david allen greer tommy davidson uh kim coates uh there's a bunch of really terrific comedians uh who have enjoyed in lots of other things uh now the it could just be the episodes that i saw but they, I was not super enthused with how, how just very male perspective. I think I felt like a lot of the writing was. Uh, I didn't feel like they gave enough to the women for them to do, and it uh, there was just a lot of comedy based around uh, women's appearances. Like I, I was looking around for people's best characters and best sketches, and there was so much love for for Wanda, and that's just a. It's hilarious because it's a man playing a woman, but she, she heard her lip sticks up and her eyes are crossed. So it's just hilarious that she even exists. And we should just watch dudes like shudder in terror of her and run away from her because that's hilarious because she's ugly. And that's really funny. And and for <laughs> that, that's a, a, you know, I get the visual gag and everything, but it gets really old after the first, you know, minute or the first sketch. And that's. Like I swear, one person had like a there's like a two and a half hour long best of in living color thing on YouTube, and a solid forty five minutes, if not an hour of it, is just that character 
coming back over and over again. Um, There were several other sketches I saw like that. It could just be, again, it could just be that I was not looking at a good sample set (laughs) or like the episodes that I happened to to watch uh, were not particularly indicative. But there were also, I saw a number of uh, of sketches that were based on look, gay people aren't they funny? Um, and they they tend which tend to be very stereotypical, and they didn't they weren't hateful or anything like that, which I appreciated. But it was also like there's a gays in the military sketch that is just it's a drill sergeant group, like it's a drill sergeant talking to his new recruits, but they're all gay, so they're all like perfectly pressed and ironed, and there's flowers everywhere in their bunks and everything like that and like so they don't it's not trying to be really offensive trying to be funny but also like saying hey it's a good thing to have gays in the military you know as opposed to playing on gay panic which is it's refreshing it's not playing on gay panic but it's also just the stereotypes so it it was interesting to me to, to get that slice of 90s perspective you know um so so I would have liked to see because these are such talented actors and there's, they can be really funny. Um, I would have liked to see more and more versatility. So I'm, I, I feel like I need to watch more episodes before I can have a strong sense of if that's just the show or if this is just the episodes that I was watching, particularly this week, you know, being out of it too. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'll check back in on this with our next res- check in. I'm going to have more to say, I'm sure, about in living color. But um, the sketches that didn't fall into those pit holes, pit- pitfalls, uh, I thought were actually really fun and uh, had good timing. And, and I, you know, it's sort of awesome to just have these like dance breaks from the Fly Girls, <laughs> which I, I really enjoyed. Uh, those ladies can those ladies can move, um, and it's just such a different vibe to the show that I was actually really enjoying some elements of it while being super turned off by how heteronormative, like, straight guy perspective a lot of the comedy I was watching was. Okay. Yeah, um, I can't really speak to any of that since um, even, like, the episodes I've watched, I have, like, very little recollection of. Um, so, but that's, that's, that, that's still interesting that that was your experience. And I'll be, I'll be curious to see how you feel after you sort of dig in a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also amazing to watch Jim Carrey doing his thing. Like, cause and think about what it must've been like to watch that if that was your first exposure to him. Like, yeah. Cause that, that just like extreme, like physicality and over the top, like when I'm watching it going, okay, that's a bit much. It's like, can we get it? when when it's more restrained and or you more used more tactically you know like deployed more more surgically i guess um mm-hmm. that physical comedy works much more effectively than you know when it's like literally it's just the entire sketch is just let's watch jim carrey be rubber uh for yeah. for five minutes you know um but i imagine at the time it must have been really exciting and really fun because they wouldn't have seen that since you know like a, for a very long like for decades in comedy nobody was really doing that in the same way at least i'm not aware of it listeners let me know fill in my gaps if i'm wrong um but yeah so that so that was interesting as well but i will have more to say i'm sure once i've watched more of this you know not hopped up on cold meds uh <laughs> so Noel, how how has your local news resolution been uh not great um i kind of fell off uh, i will admit um towards the end of january on um, a little bit into february as well um so and i kind of haven't watched any all this month 
Um, and so I feel really bad about that. And I was doing really well. Like I, I was doing well when we announced them and I was doing well when like a little bit into like February, but I just kind of tapered off and I was, I didn't plan like my time or how I was going to approach this very well. So I have to reevaluate that. Uh, what ended up happening was that, um, I tended to record um, a one of the local stations um, morning shows. Um, uh, so I'd watch typically watch that to get a sense of things because, like, for, especially like growing up in my house and um, local news, like evening and night, wasn't really a thing. But the morning, uh, the morning block was something because it gave you traffic, gave you weather and like, sort of like a rundown of highlights type of stuff. Um, so I decided to, uh, to watch it that way, um, and kind of consume it that way. The problem with this process is, is that, uh, the news isn't really super compelling and it tended to be super compelling or, um, really kind of grabby at six in the morning. <laughs> um, so, and plus like the rhythms of those, those, that hour is very much broken up by, we need to give you weather. We need to give you traffic, like every, every other break basically. Um, so there's not like, there's a weird lack of momentum that I was noticing in what I was watching. Um, the other thing that sort of like, sort of threw me off of watching was like a little bit into January, a, um, Pierce County, um, sheriff's deputy was shot uh, responding to a robbery. Uh, Pierce County is South of Seattle. It's where Tacoma is. And it basically became wall to wall coverage of the, sorry, the uh the search for suspects um the uh community response to this uh the police response to this um the then the funeral uh man on the street sort of discussions about it all this sort of stuff basically became what the uh show the the news program was really about and it was it ended up feeling really repetitive and really exhausting in a lot of ways that this was the what they really felt like people needed to know and while there were other stories peppered in this was this was basically the top story for i want to say like a week and a half to 2 weeks um for the, uh king 5's like morning show uh, that's the NBC affiliate, uh, in the Seattle Tacoma metro area. So that was just really, it, it got really exhausting and really frustrating that I wasn't getting more news, um, and, or like something else. And a lot of this is on me because I should have like, A, started watching someone else or B, watched evening news or like, uh, 11 o'clock news. And I wasn't doing either of those things to get a different perspective or to get a different sort of, um, to get, see how other people were covering this particular event. Since I imagine like a lot of other people, uh, the other, uh, four, the other three affiliates would have been covering it probably as well. Um, so it it just sort of turned me off from watching local news uh, because I was just like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. I want to hear about something else. And this was sort of like what I remember from when I would watch, like half watch local news when my dad or my mother had it on. Like in the afternoon, it was just like, it was all a series of like bad news of 
which is a lot of the reasons why a lot of people don't watch local news. It's just like, oh, well, yeah, we've got this thing with the burning buildings or a robbery or an assault. And it's just continuously that, um, maybe with something good peppered in. And so I ended up like not being aware that like the Washington state legislature passed a transparency thing that protected themselves from, um, information requests. Um, in a lot of ways, I only found out about that yesterday. I didn't even know this was being fast tracked, um, because I hadn't been watching my local news. I saw it in a local newspaper while I was waiting for it to go order. Um, so I feel compelled to like pick this back up, not only in part because it's a resolution and that, Otherwise, it makes for very bad podcast listening if I'm not having anything to say. Um, but I need to, like, figure out a way to tackle this project in a way that works, that makes sense. And so I need to, like, I need to figure that out. And so, like, starting next week, I'm probably going to sit down, look at schedules, and pick, like, one station's, like, morning and then another station's... Uh, evening uh afternoon evening and then another station's um whatchamacallit late uh, 11 o'clock news and then figure out a way to work in that fourth one um and so i get sort of like a sampling across mm-hmm. the day and just record them on my dvr and figure out what i'm going to watch and how um so and in the manner in which i watch them and the time in which i watch them is also something really sort of key to this project because i kept forgetting to watch local news um (laughs) in the evening and i'm i'm in bed before um the 11 o'clock news runs which is another reason why like i turned to the morning news to sort of give me a summary and i wasn't getting as fulfilling a summary as i wanted so i need to figure out a, a good way to balance all of this um so yeah that's sort of where i am is like i was doing really well i was going to the gym every day kate i was there I was putting <laughs> in the time and then i stopped going and i yeah so hopefully next week i'll be getting more motivated um on this resolution okay um yeah, yeah that that question of do you try to watch like like record all the channel, all the local channels, like evening news on like a day, and then watch each of them and see what's the same and different. Or do you like try to change it up, like watch one shit one network for a week and then watch a different network the next week? Right. You know, like you know, there's it's hard to decide what the best approach is because you don't want to yeah. like watch the same day's news four times or whatever. That's ridiculous. So right, and if I like had the time to do that, I probably would just for like comparison's sake. But yeah. I don't have the time to do because no one does because that's no one ridiculous. Does. Right? It, it'd be really difficult to do, and I really should have done it with this uh, sheriff's deputy shooting that happened. I really should have done it for this to see the if there was any difference in approaches or if there was any sort of response to how this was playing out. Um, but yeah, it was it was really in, it was also in part really interesting because the like memorial service for this was actually at a college and there was a certain degree of like protesting about the college hosting a memorial service for the sheriff's deputy regarding like protesters rights police and that kind of a thing so there was a little bit of a kerfuffle about that that i don't think the university necessarily anticipated and so but i only found out about that secondhand because by the time that all happened i had more or less stopped watching um so again it was just one of those things of like i of wanting to be more informed i just backed away because i was only getting one story and i should have made more of an effort to find other 
avenues for this, considering there are four local stations doing news broadcasts. I was not for want of options. Yeah. Well, we'll have, I'm sure, yeah. more to say about both of our, our resolutions when we next check in a few months down the line. Um, Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts or shall we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Okay, well, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. Um, you can also email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there, or find us on iTunes with an M4A chapter feed and MP3 unchaptered feed, and we're also up on Stitcher. Uh, we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either places. And, of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, And, Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you very much, Noel. Thank you, Kate. And thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back next we'll be back next week and I will hopefully not be medicated uh for the next episode. Or be medicated. I, you know, you know. You do you, Kate. <laughs> we'll be back next week, everybody. Thank you.